Thank you for joining me today for another What's on Your Plate podcast episode. I'm Sarah, your host, and today I am sharing this space with three amazing women who had a knowing in their hearts as to what they wanted their children's education to look like. They weren't able to find what they were seeking, so they went ahead and just created it themselves. And in doing so, handed their children the gift of passion and purpose-driven learning. That is, their children's own purposes and passions, not their own. Join me in listening in to this awe-inspiring and soul-tapping conversation that gives us a glimpse at what is possible when it comes to reframing your child's learning experience and giving us all permission to step outside of the box our institutionalized schools have tried to contain us in. It's a lot of food for thought today, and I have zero doubt it will resonate with everyone who listens. Let's get to it. So today I am with the wonderful women, the wonderful moms behind the newly adapted micro school Wonder Academy. And for our listeners, for those who are unfamiliar, this is an approach to unlearning, unschooling, uh, sort of retraining what is um, been instilled in our brains for most of our lives and getting out of the box in regards to the approach of learning and teaching our children. So today I have with me Ashley, Shailene, and Sarah, the wonderful, wonderful masterminds behind Wonder Academy. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you guys here. Um, and for again, for our listeners, um, I had the absolute privilege of visiting this amazing school last week and really getting some um, firsthand just visuals and knowledge. Um, and it was like a very short visit all in all. It was only like a couple hours and I it felt like 10 minutes. Like it was so much fun to be there and it was just so enlightening and just um it was an amazing experience to just see the work you all are doing and the different approach you're taking to education yeah we uh, we're really intentional with that um i really think that when we're building our school and what we want to create is we want to create a place that children want to come and adults too right we're our our big goal is to build community and bring more of that family tribal kind of aspect into it. So I'm glad that you enjoyed it whenever you came to visit. It was awesome. I loved every second of it. And for those that don't know, um, can one of you help us with the explanation of what micro school is? You ask. <laughs> so if you ask that question to uh, any micro school uh, builder or creator, they're all going to say something different. So that name or that, that word hasn't really found its solidification, which maybe, maybe that's good that it hasn't found its exact niche because some people will say a micro school is like 10 kids. Some people will say it's seven. Some people will say it's 150. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, in our vision of what a micro school is, um, it's like a one schoolroom house type of education where uh, we're blending the subjects together. So we're not having 
separate subjects where it's English, math, science, and everything is kind of compartmentalized. We're adding them all together. And then we're also having the blended age groups together too, so that whenever we're working with the kids, the older kids get to mentor and lead the younger kids. The younger kids also teach the older kids too. So it's like a uh, one big happy family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to have cohorts as far as, um, so when there is that core learning, you're not going to have a 14 year old learning with a six year old, of course, they're at different skill levels. So the cohort we're beginning with because of our kids' ages is that five to eight year old range. So five, six, seven, and eight. And then we see it growing as our kids grow and we're getting more kids into the school, um, going then from like nine to 12 year olds. And then of course, like 13 to graduation. So we see three cohorts, mm-hmm. but like Shay said, there could be, of course, overlap. We want those <clears throat> high school age kids to come in and mentor the middle school age kids and the middle school age kids, the elementary mm-hmm. to use the traditional terminology. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but yeah, we'll definitely have more of that one room schoolhouse feel mm-hmm. and where we're learning together with each other. And really the term micro schools, when I think of micro, what is it? It's smaller. It just gives us, you know, in our traditional public school setting or private school setting, you know, a, a teacher might see, you know, 180 kids in one day, you know, if they're, if they're teaching six classes with 30 kids in each, which is, which is great for a lot of reasons, but in, in our school, we might only have maybe 20 kids in a cohort. So it's just, um, gives opportunity for a lot more personalization and um, yeah, it just, it's on a smaller scale so we can kind of, yeah. There's so many things that I think people are curious about in this different approach to education. And I'd love for you to explain to us why you decided to gravitate away from the institutionalized school systems to begin with, to create your own culture. Yeah, I'd love to jump on that one if you guys yeah. don't mind. Um, I think that the the system that we're looking at now in terms of, you know, what is the world going to look like when <clears throat> this group of children is out of school? What What does the job market look like? Um, what is our world essentially going to look like? And I think that Currently, right now, public school and private schools really haven't caught up to the demands of what is going to be required of children growing up in this generation when they're entered into the workforce. Um, When you take subjects and you compartmentalize them, um, they're not able to see the bigger picture. We talked about like the blended learning and things like that. Um, We really just see a need for kids to be able to think outside of the box Um, to be able to critically think, to kind of just be more flexible, um, able to um, change. I think a lot of what we looked at before was like people are in jobs for 30, 40, 50 years. You have a career for your entire life. Um, If you look at job markets now, that's just not the case. You know, people are changing jobs every 12 to 18 months, and that's considered the norm. Um, So just more so wanting our kids to have the opportunity to um, learn in a different way and learn in a way that's going to prepare them better for the world that they're going to be living in. And bringing it back in nature. That's a big part for us. Like we're not just a nature school, like, you know, we're, but our campus is on 56 beautiful acres in Mm -hmm. Crown Point, Indiana, Ruby Ranch. 
with a myriad of outdoor classrooms that are already there, outdoor classrooms we're building. Um, and there's tons of research. We all know this, that you, you do better when you are getting fresh air and you're outside and things like that. So um, we're gonna, we're, you know, not to jump ahead, there's gonna be indoor classroom also, but um, these kids are gonna have choice for like, you know, they, it's time to sit down and just read hey, I'm going to go sit under this tree instead of sitting under these fluorescent lights kind of thing. So that was a big thing for us. You know, mm -hmm. it sounds like, you know, oh, just being outside. Does that make that big of a difference? Yeah, it does. <laughs> so yeah, we already see it just in our own lives, just having this mm -hmm. like uh, refocus back in nature and just, you know, so that's a big part of it too. You it know, is. Just, kids yeah. need to be able to move in order to learn. Mm -hmm. um, they have to be able to move their bodies. They have to be able to take calculated risks. They have to be able to explore. Um, and right now the research shows kids spend four to seven minutes a day outside compared to oh. four to seven minutes a day nice. outside. Oh um, I know it's crazy, <laughs> right? And we more so want to swing that pendulum for our kids to be outside four to seven hours <laughs> yeah. a day. Um, yeah. Why if, um, and I agree with you, what you're saying, that that should definitely be the norm and kids shouldn't be expected to sit at desks and, um, you know, just put their heads down and work, so to speak. Why if that is so unnatural for kids in the developmental state that they are, is that the way our culture has created our current state of schools? That's a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> I think that it was a means to a need. You know, um, our schools are extremely overpopulated right now. Um, a lot of families are, you know, both working mom and dad. So homeschooling isn't necessarily as much as an option as it used to be. And schools just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And how can you teach 30 kids if you're one instructor or one instructor and assistant? Um, I think that it was, you know, a means to what was laid on the table, that that was just kind of like how they had to formulate school so that it could function. I mean, how do you, I don't know, how would you say that? Like, how could you do it in a different way with that large of classrooms, with that big of schools? Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand the need for, um, I guess, systems and structure in order to avoid chaos, I guess, so to speak. Um, but at the same time, if we as a society are understanding that this is not serving our children and it's actually causing them to develop all kinds of um, diagnosed, quote unquote, diagnosed conditions, that really, if they were just allowed to be kids, <laughs> would be avoided. Right. We have to make it a priority as a nation. And I don't know that we're there yet as a nation. So that's why we're doing it on a, a micro level. And yeah. I certainly hope it, mm -hmm. this is going to be happening more and more. We're on the cusp of this. There's going to be more and more micro schools popping up and just alternative forms of education. More and more people realizing there are alternatives. There are other ways. So I hope mm -hmm that it can grow into a much bigger change, you know, right. for all kids, you know, because yeah, there's, it's a problem. It's I, a problem. These kids are sicker than they've ever been. Life expectancy is even going down. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's a major issue that I wish was being addressed by our leaders. <laughs> it's not. So 
it just seems like it continues to get worse mm -hmm. um, by our leaders because they continue to try to just throw money at it, throw money, throw more money. And, and they continue to see that they're adding more to the Department of Education fund, but the progress of the students continues to decline. So it's just not working on that massive scale. We can't mm -hmm. put a bunch of like we in just one classroom, you can't put 30 children in that one classroom and expect all of them to be engaged. And if they're not engaged, they're not learning. So they've they've stunted their educational growth. And that's why we're I see the future at a micro level because that's where the solution is, where we we kind of are able to create more, more of these schools where we can embrace more innovation, more creativity to be able to get these kids excited and, and or continue to let them be excited, I should say, because we have this innate curiosity inside of us on a soul level. We all have that inside of us, but then our system, current current systems just kind of stifle that flame. They, cre they create ways unintentionally, intentionally, I don't know, uh, of of just washing that curiosity out and stopping their imagination. So I'm I'm a conspiracy theorist on that. <laughs> so I'm a little bit more um, out there or, or realistic. I don't know. Maybe you're <laughs> but, more in there. Yeah, <laughs> I think if you step back and just look and think of, you know, a typical first grade, second grade, third grade classroom, and you say, you know, we have all of these different subjects and we expect every single kid in this classroom to hit the same benchmark at the same time in every subject. It's like, when you really just step back and think about it, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, I walked at 12 months, Shay walked at 16 months, Sarah walked at nine months. For everything else in life, we know that there's a span. Um, but yet right when we send them to kindergarten, it's everyone is supposed to be at the same benchmark at the same time. And if you're not, you're behind. Um, and I think that that's just, you know, when we, we take it down to the micro school level, we can try to diminish some of that. Yeah. One of the things that, um, Shay, you said about just, um, kind of snuffing out creativity. I don't remember who specifically uh, said it to me recently, but so many kids in the age group that you're referring to, kindergarten through like third grade, um, when creativity should be like soaring, a lot of kids that are asked the question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you love? Or what do you like? They don't even know. They don't even have an answer because they're so far removed from being able to explore on their own and being able to just gravitate towards the things that they actually love that they, they have no idea. Yeah. That, I would attribute that to a lack of free play. Free mm -hmm. play is where kids learn, you know, to experiment with things, to use their imagination. And if we're saying that kids are only outside four to seven minutes a day, I could only imagine, you know, how much of that is free play, how much of that is just walking to a car to go to your next sports event or, you know, hobby that you have to do. Um, I think that, yeah, a lot of um, what we see is also just a lack of like overscheduled, over busy lives. I mean, kids go to school all day, they come home, there's homework, there's after school practice, there's, you know, family, this, that, there's a lot going on and they just don't have the time to be 
board and to create. And um, that is where that, that magic happens. Yeah. Ashley, something else that you said too, um, in regards to kids ending up being behind. And I think the term that we used the other day was behind what exactly? Because um, as you said, there is quite a spectrum of just where people are at in their different abilities and, um, you know, talents and, and what they've learned. And it brings to mind too, um, the way that when there are kids in the institutionalized systems that are maybe quote unquote behind or um, excelling beyond whatever the box system is, both groups of those kids, I feel like are then othered in that yes. they may be teased or bullied for not knowing as much as what somebody says they should. And then the other end of that spectrum is um, maybe having too much expected from them because in one area they are going above whatever that curve is. And in another area, they're not, and they're deemed less than in that regard. But your approach um, of Wonder Academy, the approach of Wonder Academy to allow them to essentially uh, self-guide and go at their own pace truly <laughs> is refreshing not point out those, you're not here, you're supposed to be here. Um, and that breaks my heart to hear that, Sarah, because it is, that's so, when kids start school, it's at such a, um, impressionable, an, yes, yeah. impressionable age, um, that, you know, things like that can be just so damaging and just also just completely untrue, mm -hmm. just not truth to that whatsoever. And we're ingraining that in these kids that, you know, you're not good at this or you're behind or you're supposed to know this and you don't. And it's just so detrimental to these kids. And it's not on the flip side of that. It is not the everyone gets a trophy model. Um, that's not what we are aspiring to. We think that failure is good. Um, we think that you learn from failure. We think that it's a very important part of life. I don't want people to get the picture of this is a Every kid gets a trophy type of atmosphere. It's not that at all, but it's acknowledging that, you know, um, certain ways that we are, I guess I would say not doing our children justice in that sense of that we're, we're teaching them that to not try <laughs> to not be in to status quo, try, right? But to, to maintain status quo. Or to have yes, these yes. viewpoints of themselves that are just not true and projected onto them from someone else mm -hmm. based on something, like I said, that is completely false and arbitrary. Yeah. It is. It's heartbreaking. Because it does. It happens really early in the school system. Yeah. Think about it. When, when Our own experiences. I knew I was smart. I knew the kid next to me. Oh, he's not so smart. Like, what? Right. You know, that's crazy. And it's false. Like you said, it's just so untrue. Um, so instead, it's like the focus instead of... Um, do they know this, have this knowledge today at a certain timeline? Mm -hmm. So what? We want to focus more on let's help these kids figure out their, what they like, their passion, their purpose and nurture it. And, you know, of course they're going to, you know, those foundational skills are so important. So we're going to assess, you know, make sure they're learning, but it doesn't have to be in a standardized way where every kid has to be at a certain 
it's, it's more important to achieve mastery at something than to see like, okay, this kid, oh, I got an A, I got an A on this and I'm smart at this. What? That doesn't even mean anything. So instead, like, we, you know, let's say they're working on a project or something like that. And then there's mistakes. They're, they don't have all the answers correct. That's awesome. We're going to celebrate these mistakes, go back and see how we can figure it out and make it better. And if it means collaborating with a classmate, you know, another learner, that's okay. You don't have to be on your own doing this. It's not turn in the project. Oh, I got an F. I'm dumb. Let's move on. You know, it's like, we're more about, let's just help these kids learn. And we'll find, especially like in the early years and that first cohort, the most important thing to us is to establish in these kids, help them really um, get that foundation of loving learning, being excited mm-hmm. about learning, not being afraid to make mistakes, celebrate the mistakes. Let's grow. Let's learn. Let's do this mm-hmm. together. You know, and then as they get older, like one thing that we talked about, like this, this learner driven idea, you know, is um, we were going to start to find out what drives them as individuals. And then, you know, working in things like apprenticeships and internships and things like that, finding out, you know, what might drive this student is not the same thing that drives this student. So we're going to work that into their own, let them work that into their own learning. Mm-hmm. They're responsible for their learning, their goal setting, that growth yeah. mindset, you know, instead of just that kind of cookie cutter, everyone's learning this level of math today. Everybody's learning this level of how to write in this way. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. That and the collaborative learning mm-hmm. there too. Like we're we're three women that are collaborating to form this project. And that's the same model that we're going to use with the kids. They're going to learn how to collaborate with each other to achieve their goals. That's truth right there. That's yeah. a real life lesson that is not taught in institutions. More so at the institutional level, it's individualized you you can't copy off of each other's tests or you can't ask them for the answer you have to it's all just you and it's you alone it mm. it doesn't really feel like it's it's community building which is again that is one of our our strong values is building that community and mm-hmm. allowing that collaboration to happen seeing other people you gifts, just seeing those gifts and using them together mm-hmm. yeah Yeah, Shay, something you said there about not creating community that really like hit a chord because so much of um, just different conversations I've been a part of in the past talk about that we shouldn't be going at it alone, yet we are putting our kids in the position in um, the classroom, institutional classroom setting to do it all on their own without any help. (laughs) Don't ask for help. You should know the answer to the question already. And that is like ass backwards from what we're trying to do in regards to molding them into adults that can work together with other adults. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like um, in that, in that model that we're preparing them for real life. And I feel like I, I envision, I see our school being kind of like a, a, a theater and it's just, mm. it's practice. It's dress rehearsal. We're, we're bringing these kids through this experience so that once they hit 18, 20, however old it is, they're ready to step onto that stage and they're they're confident in what they're here to do. Where for me in my personal experience, I was 18 years old leaving the system and it was like- <laughs> Dropped off a cliff. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea what to do, where to go. Um, and then my, my dad passed away and I found myself, I remember it was like, 
during a, a spring break and I just went back to school because I felt so lost and it was like this was what was familiar to me and I had there were no it, the halls were empty like no teachers were there and I was just like looking for something I and that was the place that I feel like it should have or it could have been a place to set me up to go into the direction but it it just wasn't it just that wasn't available it was not an option for me mm-hmm. yeah and um Gosh, there's so many rabbit holes I feel like could go down with all of that, <laughs> that what you just said, but um, there are, just to put the thought out there too, like there are, I think the comments have been made that there are many of us that um, had good public or private institutionalized school experiences growing up. And then there's people like myself, and I think you, Shay, that really had a terrible experience in the school systems. But it seems like both of those types of groups of people could benefit from the outside of the box type of approach, even if you're doing well in the institutionalized school system. um, I think it has underlying effects later on. I'm one that I can say I loved school. I had a great experience. I felt good about it. Um, I feel, you know, it was good for me, but I do still, even in that, I I can, when I really, you know, building this school made me think about a lot, obviously about my own experiences. And even with that, I think about my issue would be more like, you know, I was so focused on, you know, getting A's and, and pleasing my teachers and doing, and like, that there were times in, you know, being going through like honors classes and things like that. I saw so many more kids in that tract, like the honors kids, the gifted kids that were more likely to cheat because it was like, we got to get the A, we got to get the A. And it's like, when I look back sometimes, I'm like, wow, what kind of learning was even happening there? If I wasn't so focused on that label of being smart and doing, you know, I wouldn't, I would have probably learned a lot more. And you know, like, it's just, there's so many different ways, like you said, there's different types of educational trauma, I guess you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, and like I said, overall, I'm not here to say school's bad. I love school. You know, I was a teacher for a lot of years too, you know, but um, I, I just, I see this as just an, an amazing alternative. Like we could take the things we loved and we can bring in the, get rid of the things we didn't love and we can create something just brand new and fresh and relevant for today's kids. I think that to Sarah's point too, is the the difference that we're trying to make here is uh, in her experience, she was, she was groomed essentially to be extrin- extrinsically motivated. Mm. So how do I please my teachers? How do I get this A? How do I get this outward? Yeah. Um, rather than what makes me feel good inside? And what is it that I'm passionate about learning? What is it that I'm curious about? And that's what we, that's how we create lifelong learners, which Mm -hmm. is the main goal. If we take your child into our school and we see them becoming apathetic or disengaged in their learning, we've done you a disservice. We've, we've done it wrong. And that's why we're, our big vision is what lights you up? How are we going to to fan that flame so that you can continue to learn how learn how to set goals, your own goals to to continue to build and grow and grow and grow? So that's that's I feel like what we see is is that is it extrinsic or intrinsic? And if we were to ask the question of 
of our children that are in that are in school right now, we ask them, do you feel like um, do you feel like you have anything to do with what you're learning? Do you feel like you have any control over what you're learning? And then ask them too, do you feel like you're able to to steer the direction of your education? Do you feel like you're being education is being done to you or do you think you're doing education? Do you think that mm -hmm. you're learning part of it? Yeah. And I feel like that's a huge, huge question. That's really an eye opener because what that sets up the mindset, it sets up the framework of, can I create my life in the way that I want to, or is it all being done to me? Yes. Is, is everything being told and am I being dictated how I'm supposed to live my life, what I'm supposed to do with my life? What, what stage of life am I supposed to get married at? What job am I supposed to do? How much am I supposed to have in my bank account? What am I supposed to drive? Like all of that stuff, I feel like it sets up these small little things that we do now set you up for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. And just putting the choice back into it for them and, and the responsibility yeah. too, yeah. you know, yeah, they can't just check out like, I can, you know, I can say from personal experience with working with the kids, when it's something that they're interested in and it's something that they have buy into and it's like, they have ownership of it the passion and the intensity and the rigor that they want to learn is more than anything that I could like try and come up with like, Oh, I'm going to make this project and they're really going to love it. Like, of course we have some of that too, but just having that time and seeing where they go and how passionate they are when it's something that they're interested in. I mean, it is, it's like that spark is there, that, that innate curiosity, that wanting to learn it's there. I just think that so much of the time they're just bored stiff in school because it just doesn't have any meaning to them. It doesn't have any value to them. And you have to look at, you know, when you're five, six, seven, like, what are you interested in? What's cool? What makes you, you know, and are what we teaching them is that developmentally appropriate with where they're at in their journey or are we asking them to do things and tackle things that just really aren't aren't appropriate for their age set yet yeah that makes a lot of sense um everything that you're saying in terms of really paying attention to what your child is truly interested in and supporting them on that path um i think if I'm speaking for myself, for sure, and other parents that I know, the idea of taking them um, into a different environment where it is a child-led type of uh, learning experience and um, helping them navigate that in a way that builds that curiosity and fuels that fire of their passion, I feel like that can feel very overwhelming for especially that are working full-time, perhaps are single parents, um, perhaps just have no idea how to approach or help their children on whatever path it is that they're choosing. What would you say to parents like that who feel like they don't know how to navigate that? Especially if they are in the public school system. Um, so if they are you know, at a desk or in a classroom for the majority of their day, how do you, as a parent, 
short of taking them out of the institution completely, if maybe that's not an option for you, help them to sort of step away and break free of that system a little bit to find their individuality. Mm. Is it possible? Yes, it's one. It's, it is possible. Uh, is it easy? I don't, I wouldn't say it's easy because there, there's so much unlearning that we have to do for ourselves too. And mm -hmm. that's, we're continuously seeing how much we're checking. What was it that we were taught and what, what is it that we still want to apply in our lives today? Because each one of us, we have all left our should do jobs. I don't know if there's a better way to say that. But each one of us, we we were on that path of this is what we should do. This is the next step because it's clearly laid out for us, but it wasn't really resonating with what was in our hearts. So we had to take that leap of faith and jump in. And it, I mean, it was the scariest thing for me to do. So scary. <laughs> Still scared. <laughs> so there, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of faith that we're, we're walking in line with, with that we're we're really stepping into this is what our hearts are calling us to do and we're going to continue to learn and navigate it through each step of the way and we don't expect the learning process to be this crisp clean neat thing learning is messy and we're 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 embracing that that learning is messy and and navigating our lives outside of the institution that's a big choice that you have to make that's a big choice that that you have to make as a family too. I really feel like that it's, um, you can, you can send your kid to our school, but if you're still like staying in that cookie cutter formation, that there's going to be some, some discourse, you're, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's really going to be uncomfortable. And that's, and I don't want to sell it in any other way. Um, but are you willing to, to embrace that discomfort to grow? Because that's where, really the most fulfilling parts of my life have been is where I've stepped into that discomfort and continue stepping because that's where the heart is leading. I think yeah. too, like for parents, just kind of being more intentional with, um, like when you're looking at school, when you're looking at what your kid is learning, the homework that comes home, just being more intentional with that of how does this feel? What is this for? What is the purpose of this? Why are we learning this? I mean, just asking questions and being more involved. I think so much of school and home, there's just a disconnect where it's like the kid goes to school, they learn, they come home with the homework, and then you got to complete the homework and send it back. Um, that there's this, this disconnect of parents not questioning, why are we doing this? What's the purpose of this? Why are we learning this? Or just, yeah, just asking, asking more questions is where where I would start, because that's where, for me personally, that's where my wheels got turning more and more because I questioned things a lot, not in a, not in a negative sense of the way, but just kind of, why are we doing this? What's wanting to understand the process. Um, and that's when I got a lot of pushback of more, just, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is what works. And we're just going to keep this going instead of just kind of questioning why, why our kids are doing the things that they're doing or why are they learning the things that they're learning? I think if parents got um, a little bit more inquisitive on that side of things that they'd be pretty, pretty blown away at the reason or the lack thereof of why things are being taught in school. 
I think too, Sarah, back to your kind of the the other side of that too. Sarah's asking, what about for my, my kids in school right now and I'm at work right now, so what can I do? That after school time, you know, I think sometimes we have that tendency to start asking too many questions of our child. What did you learn today? How was your day? <laughs> Instead, go outside with your child, take a walk and don't say anything. Let Listen to them, you know, or ask a question and then wait. We interrupt our kids a lot and we don't give them chances to come up with what's going on in their own mind. Um, just play a game, read a book back to very simple things. And these are things I'm sure, you know, I'm not saying anything that we all don't know, but we forget. And especially because we're so busy and we're working all day and our kids in school all day. What can I do? There's so much you can do because you're the one that matters to them more than what's going on at school. And it's just that, just very, that, that sense of just, uh, I don't know, ease that you can bring into just mm -hmm. that after school time or weekend time, right? Let's just connect, keep it simple and connect yeah. and don't worry about all the questions and just see what they come up with and follow their lead. That's my, that's my biggest thing I like to do sometime. Cause you know, it, we have that tendency. I think a lot of us as parents to get too involved in what our kids are doing. If they're playing a game or, or drawing, do it like this, try this. No, no, no. Just follow their lead and resist. You hear yourself starting to change what they're doing or ask them a question, just follow their lead, ask them what they want to do. And just they're in charge and just play with them and whatever they, they want to do it. And it's really cool. You learn a lot about your kid that way too, you know, and see what's going on in their mind and what's going on in their heart and soul. And then it's okay. They have to go to school the next day. That's okay. They come home to you, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I appreciate that input at the end of that. Um, I think um, when I did visit the uh, academy, there was a question or there was a conversation had that not everybody that wants to do this is going to be able to do this because um, for many reasons that are probably too involved to get into here today, um, it may not be an option for a lot of people. So the question that I had um, that some people might find helpful in hearing your answer to Sarah is that all is not gonna be completely lost if currently they do find themselves having to remain in the system. Um, and I think it was you, Shay, that had said something during that visit. Um, it isn't like you're trying to take the system down, <laughs> but you are creating your own system that resonates with you. So um, that I'd like to say, you know, because I, I do want people to walk away from this, to listening to this conversation, knowing that um, they probably are doing the very best they can and they're not failing their children, but hopefully this conversation will give them some new insight on what they can do to be better. Cause once you know better, you do better type of thing. Um, so what do you think is, let me rephrase my question rephrase my question. Do you think institutionalized school as we know it to be is something that should ultimately go away altogether or does it serve some of the population? Are some people better um, wired in that environment versus an unlearning or unschooling environment? Yeah, I think it's going to be, what we're offering is just an alternative. We're not saying that what's going on right now is bad. It needs to be taken down. Um, there's a lot of good that comes from it. Um, but what we're saying is there are other ways to, you know, yeah. it's not just 
you know, and we're just, we're just bringing in another option for families to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the reason that you all chose this route for your own families? That's three different answers. I know. Another podcast I feel like we need to. (laughs) I know. I knew this was going to be far too short of uh, a time period for this. So We're, we're just inspired. I mean, I guess if we can, if, if we can try to sum up all of our experiences is we're inspired to create something new, we have the opportunity to do it. So we're seizing that moment so that we can, we can truly offer an alternative and we see a different future. We see a different type of future for our children. AI is really, we don't know what it's going to do in the next three to five years. We don't know what the world is going to look like and how that's going to apply to our job force. We're, we're going to be in that position to where we can innovate, we can adapt, and we can pivot quickly where the institution doesn't seem like it's able to do that. Um, Because you just look at, look at our schooling and our generation, it did not prepare us for what we're looking at today. Literally, we don't, like social media marketing, was that, (laughs) was that something that was taught to us, which is a huge bulk of how people get their business out, how people, how entrepreneurs are able to capture their customers. So, so there's so much that's changed uh, and there's so much that we, we have no idea how it's going to change. And, and with the, the system, the institution college, it takes on average about 17 years from a research paper or some research for 17 years for that information to get into the college level. So what does that mean for the education, the education level at the elementary and the secondary school look like? That that we don't have that time. We don't have, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's where I went. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great whether it answered it or not. Um, I but, appreciate oh, what, was, what was our inspiration? Yeah. yeah, what was our inspiration? <laughs> ah. Give me another hour for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I more so just wanted to give my children their their childhood back. Um, mm-hmm. Being in the school systems, I just saw the rigor of it. I saw the time um, and it just kind of broke my mm-hmm. heart in the way of, I'm not ready to let my babies do that. I want them to be climbing trees and jumping and running and figuring out what they want to be when they grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I kindergarten we had a kitchen and it was a half day and sometimes we took naps (laughs) um and just you know when I was exposed to what kindergarten is now um it's it's a lot different there's a lot more expected of our kids um and child development hasn't changed our expectations has changed Mm -hmm. um so just as a mom just really feeling that tug on my heart of I don't really want that for my kids that Ashley, so she's been, she's doing our program directing, right? So she's developing our program. So she's out there with our kids right now, um, creating what we're, what we're creating. And it just feels so good to, to hear about the report at the end of the day, how good of a time these kids had and, and they come back and they're, they're, they're still them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're excited. They don't want to leave school. And, and it just, that feeling right there 
it's so good. It feels so good. And our intuition, I feel like we're, uh, we're very intuitive and we continue to go into, is that the direction that we want to go? No, that doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. But then this is it. This feels good. Mm -hmm. It feels good to be able to offer this education. Who said that, that one quote of what are you going to do with your one life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do we want to spend our time as a family, as parents, as mothers? I love that so much. There's like almost no better reason that I can think of than the one that you just described in just giving your kids their childhood back um, instead of watching it slip away um, without even really having had a grasp on it yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you envision the Wonder Academy progressing as um, the kids get older? And I think you touched on this a little bit on how, you know, some of the older kids would mentor some of the younger kids. But I guess in terms of the older kids themselves, how do you envision um, just making sure that they feel seen and their needs met as they're growing into young adults and really developing more of a outlook on what those things are that they do want to pursue and be when they grow up? How is that uh, supported in this type of environment? Goal setting and growth mindset is going to be a big part of their day um, and, and their school day and their week and going into those like apprenticeships that we're talking about, like finding out what makes them tick and how can we help your education go down that path instead of you know, it's something I think we all kind of had that experience where we talked to the high school counselor once or twice about what maybe we want to do when we grow up and maybe we'll go to, and we all, just, I don't know, a lot of people are just told you just go to college and, and that's great. That's an option. Um, I feel like we've talked about, we're, we're going to be developing a lot of entrepreneurs here and if college or trade school is the way that gets them there, that's great. It's not going to be for everybody, but it's just kind of getting them thinking about what is my passion? What is my purpose um, when they're in school and helping them navigate that so that they can live a life of purpose and passion. So that's the whole point mm -hmm. of what we're doing really. So yeah. I don't know if mm -hmm. I answered that, but like, that's the, that's the kind of overarching yeah. theme, you know, that we're going to do, especially as the kids get older, you know, we talked about now they're young, they're getting their foundational skills. We just want to, we want them to, to learn, to love learning, um, as they start getting older, you know, middle school, high school age, it's going to be more of, okay, so what makes you tick and how can we serve you? How can your education serve you? Not here's what you need to learn and how you need to learn it, but, oh, okay, you're really interested in science. You're interested in engineering. Cool. Let's kind of take that path. And this is how we can help you get there. Let's, you know, this, let's find an apprenticeship for you to work mm -hmm. on this when you're 13 years old for right. a couple of weeks. Why not? You're going to find out, oh, I really like this. I might pursue this more. Nah, this isn't for me. Okay, great. Like, you know, just individualize. So that, that, yeah. that started with it, that goal setting, not just your academic goals, but your interests, your hobbies, what, what lights you up. That, I think it gets them excited to take the responsibility of their education. And that goes back to that intrinsic um, reward system that we're setting up is, is letting them and guiding them, leading them into being responsible for their education. Now, if they're, and that's where the institution would be perfect. If, if you're not interested in, in being an individualized person, you're not inter, interested in, in stepping out of the box, it's a perfect place. 
But for us, we're, we are offering an alternative that is so different mm -hmm. that, that that's the way it's going to go. That's the way we envision it. You're yeah. taking responsibility. If you're not interested in taking responsibility, we're not the place. You know what I think comes to mind when you say uh, taking responsibility or having children take responsibility for their education is I can sense a pushback from a lot of people that there's so much for their kids instead of teaching them how to do things that the idea of putting them in charge of something as uh, important as learning, like um, like the self-guided learning seems reckless to a lot of people, I feel like, um, because we do live in a world where, um, you know, a lot of kids don't know how to do a lot of things on their own. They don't <laughs> know how to, you know, clear their plate or empty a dishwasher or put their clothes in a hamper or, I mean, just silly everyday things that are just often done for them. So the idea of putting them in charge of their education, I think, um, to me, it sounds fabulous. <laughs> I feel like to a lot of families I have been connected with, there's a, there's a mm. sense of fear with that. It, it would be reckless if there were no, if we weren't guiding them and right. giving them the tools, be reckless. If we were just like, yeah, go out there and learn it on your own. No. Peter Pan land. Comes yeah. To mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not, it's not like that. that would be reckless. <laughs> that's where, um, and that's, so the, the difference too, or no, no, let me say the question I have for that is where did that come about? Why, why is it that our children are less able to wash their clothes, to cook, to, to take care of real life skills? Why is that something that we're just now starting to see? Because in past generations, like my dad didn't graduate, the, he probably, I think he went to the ninth grade. And this man could do everything. It was There was nothing that this man couldn't do. And that was a whole different generation. So where is that occurring? Why is that occurring mm -hmm. that we feel like our children can't do these things and we're debilitating them? So so that's, I guess, a question. That's what comes up in me is, is, is what we're doing now crippling them or is it empowering them? Mm -hmm. And that's where we we come in. We want to empower our children. She was doing knife skills with our kids yesterday. Mm -hmm. They were learning knife skills. Yeah. And they're five and six years old, right? Right. That's, I, can, I think that's about. I can remember doing that with very, very little hands in um, my kitchen space when I was giving uh, cooking classes to children. Um, teaching mm -hmm. them how to do things like use a knife. But I think the reason that we end up overdoing for our children is something that Ashley had touched on earlier. And that of which is we're really overscheduling our kids. So when they have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever school is all day, and then they go right into practice and then um, lessons and then what, you know, just stacking up all the to do's of the day it leaves very little room for just coming home and eating and going to bed. There isn't a lot of time for real life learning skills. That yeah. and connection. I, I right. That's my thing. That's one of the, my biggest traumas I feel like in my life is my parents were working. They were worked all of the time. We were, we were in school. I don't remember what my parents were like growing up because we didn't have that time together. So that's, 
I guess maybe that's my my in, my my core wound that makes me want to do it differently is I don't want I don't want my children to not know me you know mm -hmm. yeah that that's a really great answer too and I guess I can relate to that in some ways where thinking back on that I mean my mom was either working or sleeping much of the time there wasn't a lot of opportunity to just have a conversation or to do mindset or growth type activities together. Yeah. Isn't that wild? No, why it's wild to think about that that's what we mindlessly accept as that's what it is. Yeah. So this is all counterculture. Yeah. But also on that, you know, kind of circling back to what I mentioned earlier, where this is an amazing um, approach to education. And I am deeply intrigued for sure. But thinking back on my own childhood, my mom would have never been able to, to walk this path because she was a single mom and she did, you know, just work constantly to scrap it together. Um, so it, there, there are, um, I think things that can be done differently at home, like you said, Sarah, in terms of after school to make sure that you still are finding that connection and uh, just time with your families, even if you're not able to go the route of the journey you all have created. But again, I'm only asking these questions to play devil's advocate and to give our listeners something to think about. I am just wholeheartedly loving what you women are creating. I think it's just gorgeous. And I think it is just, you know, turning the light bulb on for a lot of people and will be just paving the way for others to do the same. Mm -hmm. That's the hope. That's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. And just, you know, the little bit of time I spent at the Academy on the ranch, I mean, just watching it in action and seeing just the kids really enjoying learning and enjoying their day. And there was not a single like complaint or I don't want to, or do we have to, or anything like that. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure like all kids, they have their moments, right. Of <laughs> not wanting to, uh, you know, whatever, do what's planned for the day. But in your environment, do you then give them choices to explore something different? Yeah. So just, um, um, just yesterday with, you know, the knife skills, we were, were doing that because they're going to be making, um, paint brushes. So that kind of spurred, you know, the knife skills, and then they took it a completely different direction. And they're like, we want to do woodworking and we want to learn how to make hummingbirds and mm -hmm. and it's like okay so then when things like that happen pivot we're going that way we're going to learn this skill but if that's what they're interested in and they're communicating that um that's another thing that's nice about being the smaller cohort group is that we can make that shift and say this is what this is interested in and we want to hone in on that and see you know where that goes and I mean that was really cool yesterday too is that you know a big part of our day is them having free play we want them to have that time and all all of the kids yesterday chose their free play time to continue doing the knife skills mm -hmm. so it's like they are so into it that it's like we want to keep doing this this is how we want to spend our time so it's like in moments like that it's like you know you're doing something right when they're given free reign like we say 
and their free reign is choosing the things that you are teaching them. It's mm-hmm. huge. And back to that, not everybody's going to be able to do what we're doing. We do have plans and we we are fundraising so that we can put money into the school so that we can hopefully begin to offer financial aid. Mm-hmm. We can we can offer that monetary gift Gift. to be able to have these families partake in this type of education too because we don't we don't want it to be this elite elitist type of education we want this to be the real world we want this to be so Mm -hmm. at first it does seem like we are going to have to be strictly tuition based and we're fundraising to try to keep that tuition low and then eventually as more of the community continues to to become aware of us more people are going to be throwing money at us. Mm-hmm. So and that's yeah. what's going to yeah. and that's what's going to help more to be able to come into this option. Yeah. Yeah, I love that so much because there is um can be a sense of like exclusivity or exclusion in atmospheres like this sometimes. And you're right that it doesn't just need to become the norm of the world. So that would mean everybody needs the option to be able to take this route if they want to in some manner. So I love that you um, are all are looking ahead in that regard to see how you can expand the options for other people who may not be able to afford it as easily. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. What is some of the yeah. biggest pushback that just in having conversation with people, what is some of the biggest pushback that you all feel from just your uh, families or community? Hmm. Just because it's so different, people you're taking them out of school. It's like, no, we're doing school, it's just doing it a different way. Mm-hmm. But um, I think kind of what you hear a lot when you think of like homeschooling, you know, like, well, what about the social socialization? There's only going to be this many of them. Um, but that's something that we plan on working with the surrounding community. Like our kids are going to be in sports and activities and whatever they want to do. And yesterday, whenever they were out, we, yesterday they went to Cafe Fresco to help mm-hmm. out with the, the food drive there. Mm, awesome civilization right there yeah right (laughs) it's just it's different I don't know if you guys growing up when you thought when you heard about homeschooling it was like a very like weird like you know taboo taboo and a lot of kids and this is not homeschooling not trying to say that but it is it's comparable right it's like the Mm -hmm. in-between homeschool we're like in the middle here um, but they people used to say things like, oh, there's no, how are they going to socialize? They're going to just be with a small number of kids and things like that. Well, that has changed. I mean, just homeschooling alone has increased exponentially since mm-hmm. 2020, like the numbers. And there are so many amazing groups that we can, you can be a part of now too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you are doing it on your own, you don't have to be doing it really on your own, you know, and we plan to, to, to grow this community, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be we're not going to be uh, isolated by any means, just because we're not in a big brick building with hundreds of kids. We're right. still going to be a part of the larger community and our kids are going to have opportunities to do the same things that kids in the bigger public school or, or bigger private schools get to do, you know, mm-hmm. but that, that back to your question, that's kind of the pushback. I think sometimes, you know, what I uh, notice um, for, and, and I don't know if it's intentional pushback, but whenever I talk about this, to some people, they do kind of take that stance of um, my kids in public school, you think I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. And and that's not that's not what we're saying at all. It's just we have the we have the opportunity to create this and this is exactly what we want to do. 
Um, so, and, and I guess it, it's, th there's anger that comes up in that conversation where it's like, I'm doing it wrong. Like you think I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> and, and I don't even want to go there. I'm like, this is where I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is where my family to go. These are the goals that my family wants to achieve. So this is what I'm doing. I have, I haven't even given a second thought about what you're doing with your family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my business. So well, I think that we, yeah, I think what we know about that criticism and defensiveness is anytime that bubbles up to the surface, it is just somebody um, really struggling with their own decisions and questions about the path of their own lives um, and bringing that criticism into a conversation with you is probably just their way of validating the decisions they wish they weren't making. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> Looking forward, I mean, just with your own families, with the route you all have taken, um, are there any reservations or fears in regards to the future of this approach and what it might mean for your own children? I don't have any. I can say, honestly say no. Nate and I just <laughs> had this conversation last night and I was talking about, you know, how the further and further we get into this, the more confident we are in what we're doing and knowing that this is what's right for our family and kind of what Shay said. If people come, great. If they don't, great. This is still the path that we know is right for us. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't have any reservations about it. It feels so right. Mm-hmm. And we're all very open to knowing that we're we're going to learn along the way. We don't know it all yet. <laughs> no, yeah, we're going to fail too. Fail. Like there's going to be setbacks. Like I think so. I think that's the thing is like the fear kind of dissipates when we just acknowledge that there's there's going to be stuff that comes up that we haven't even thought about yet. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's okay because gosh, all I see so far working with these two <laughs> soul sisters of mine here is that we are just learning. So mm -hmm. much. I've learned so much already doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, wow. And we're doing this so our kids learn and we're learning. And it's just, it's cool. It's just, it's a journey. It's, it's just an amazing journey. And there's going to be stuff that comes up. So when that fear does creep in, because I'll be the first one to say, yes, sometimes there, <laughs> like I have no reservations. I don't, I have not, I don't regret doing this path at all. I'm super excited. But yeah, when that fear pops up, it's like, just go with it. We're going to learn. We're going to grow just like we're teaching our kids. It's okay. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. You're going to make mistakes. This mm -hmm. is your life. Creation is messy. Do it. <laughs> Go get it. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. I can't even believe how fast this time has went today. Um, there's probably going to be ha have to be a part two at some point because I'm sure there's going to be more questions. <laughs> but what do you want our listeners yeah. to walk away thinking about? What do you want to share? What would be some final thoughts from each of you? I just want to say that in each and every child, that intelligence, that wonder, it's there. Nurture it however you can. That's it. Doesn't matter what kind of school they go to, our school, your school, everybody's school, doesn't matter. Just don't let them forget it. Nurture it. Just, you know, just be there for them. Just encourage that childlike wonder forever. And if you've lost it in yourself, which so often we do, right? Mm -hmm. Living this life and just as adults, it's hard. Get it back. 
do what you got to do. Go sit under a tree, go read a book, go do something for yourself. And just remember that light that's there, that wonder. Don't ever lose that sense of wonder. Yeah. Do a couple RTT sessions to get it back. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that's right. Hey, that yeah. is truer than true for sure. For those listening and don't know what we're talking about, circle back. Shay and I have done two episodes together on RTT or rapid transformational therapy. Uh, chime in, listen into those, and you'll catch more of what she meant by that. I was just going to say, I just want listeners to know that there is, you know, other people out there, there is a movement happening that of people just saying like, hey, we just kind of want something different. We don't want to necessarily do um, the status quo way. So, I mean, just having that out there in the region where we're at that people knowing if you know you feel like things don't fit right or some things don't feel good with the school system that there are other options and that there's other people out there that feel the same way um and that it's coming yeah that's my part would be is is listen to the heart sometimes your heart's leading you in in these ways that feel like it's so crazy and you don't even have the words for what you're feeling and just continue to move in that direction. The words are going to come and that, that definition is going to, to fill out for you. So we're really, we really are walking a lot by faith right now mm -hmm. is, is this is what we feel we're called to do. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're going to continue to pursue. So that's, that's one of the things I feel like, again, it takes courage to do so put that ego in check, you know, like, like just jump. <laughs> well, it sounds like that Girl. faith walk is stronger every day. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us how we can stay connected with Wonder Academy, where we can go if we want to learn more, if we want to support it. Tell us how to find you. We've got, um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook right now. So a lot of what the, the content that we're sharing there is a lot of our philosophy, a lot of our days um, at Wonder Academy. So Instagram is wonder underscore academy underscore NWI. Um, and then just search Wonder Academy NWI on Facebook. And then we have our website. It's coming very soon. It is wonderacademynwi.com. So there'll be a lot of information on there, especially we're going to be in the very near future looking to get learners at our school in the very near future, looking towards getting some teachers and guides at our school that are uh, going to be a right fit for us. So, um, and then also we're working on a lot of fundraising right now. We have um, an event coming up at Now Yoga Club in St. John, Indiana, um, on Saturday, December 16th. It is going to be a vendor fair. We're going to have a lot of unique vendors, get your holiday shopping in, um, lots of opportunities from that to, we're going to have lots of raffles and things like that, where the money is all going to be going towards building our structure. So we're mm -hmm. looking to building um, geodomes for the, at the ranch. And um, so that fundraising event is our, is our first of several fundraisers that we're going to be doing so come on out to that, um, get some shopping in and help us raise some money in that way. That doubles as uh, a learning experiences for our kids because they're setting up a table too, to sell things. So that's their, their initiation into entrepreneurship too, which is really fun. That's cool. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Saturday, December 16th, 
1 to 6 p.m. at Now Yoga Club in St. John in the Lake Central Plaza. Awesome. And I love the verbiage of learners and guides instead of students and teachers. I love the just the dialogue you all are using and the way that you are reshaping things and just um, changing the way we think about everything. It's just beautiful to watch. And um, I'm rooting for you for sure. And I love, I just love every second of all of it. Thank you for this. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to talk with you all. And I can't wait to share this with our listeners. All the ways to stay connected with Wonder Academy will be in the show notes. And we will look forward to maybe talking to you ladies again very soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Sarah. I don't know about you guys, but inspired isn't even the word. If you're like me, you have gone the traditional route with your children's education but I absolutely see the value in what the Mothers of Wonder Academy have created. The opportunity to personalize education, creating a culture of community, fostering a love for learning. Those are just a few of the thoughts that stay firmly situated in my mind from this conversation. If you're intrigued to learn more or support the Wonder Academy, this beautiful approach to learning connect and reach out via the links in the show notes. At the very least, please share this episode far and wide, because even if it isn't a reality of yours to relocate your own child to an environment like Wonder Academy, as discussed in this episode, there are still things you can do at home to help your children remain curious, engaged, and in the pursuit of their passions and purposes. If you haven't already, Like them on Facebook, follow them on Instagram, and be on the lookout for the website. Events upcoming include that at Now Yoga Studio in St. John, Indiana on December the 16th from 1 to 6 p.m. Stay connected with all things What's on Your Plate podcast and all things Lilulos with lilulosvegan.com link in the show notes as well. If you haven't already, sign up for the newsletter on the website. That's going to keep you connected, let you know everything that's upcoming, keep you connected to recipes, blog posts, and all things podcast. Till next time.